Jesus. I'd like to uh, personally welcome all of you that are visitors. I know that you have uh, plenty of places you could be today, and you chose to be here with us. Thank you for worshiping with us. And for those of you that are in the commons back in the overflow, uh, welcome as well. Sorry we didn't have more seats in here, and I hope you enjoy it just as much. Emmanuel. What does that mean? What does it mean? God with us, right? It's a name given to Jesus, God with us. That's what Emmanuel means. Resurrection Sunday, the day that he rose from the grave. We've spent the last six weeks in Lent, have been working, walking together to the cross, haven't we? And all of a sudden we're here. We started with um, Passion Week. Last week we looked at Palm Sunday when they threw down their palms. Remember we raised all the palm fronds and we sang together and we remembered Christ coming in as a king and then all of a sudden toward the end of the week they crucified him. What happened between those two? Why would they worship him as king one day and crucify him the next? And it has a lot to do with their understanding of what they were looking for with the king. They thought that he would come and he would break the oppression of the, the Roman rule occupation. And he didn't do that. He said he was willing to die. Well, he can't be a king if he's willing to die. So they turned against him. So Thursday night, he's with the disciples. Friday, he's in the grave. Saturday, he's in the grave. And then all of a sudden, we have Resurrection Sunday, Easter Sunday. So what's so important about resurrection? Why is that a central belief for us as Christians? I want to answer that question two ways. Uh, one is I want to take a look at it from God's perspective. So let's just, if we could take a moment and step into the throne room and look down and see how God views it. And then we're going to step down as our life and look at it the way it was meant for us. So the first place I'm going to start is in Acts 17. There's many places we could go. Acts 17 is a very interesting passage to me. Paul is traveling, and he's in uh, Athens, and he's walking through the Roman Forum. If you've ever been to a Roman Forum, that's a place where they, they had a marketplace down the middle, and they had all of their temples to their gods. And just to make sure that they covered all the bases, they had a, god, a temple to the unknown god. And so Paul's wandering around in this place, disturbed by all of the idols, and he sees this temple and he recognizes, ah, here's a platform to talk to them about what we believe. So I'm going to jump right in the middle of the passage in Acts 17, verse 24. The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by hands. This is a new thought because they felt that the gods lived in the temples as represented by their idols. And then he says even something more interesting, more startling. And he is not served by human hands as if he needed anything. This is very unusual because you see all the gods, the reason why they created us was so that we would serve them. And here he's saying our God doesn't need anything. Well then, if he doesn't need anything, he doesn't need us to serve him, what's that all about? Rather, he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. That's why he created us. He loves us. That's the reason. It's just the opposite of all the ancient religions. God didn't create us to serve him. He created us to love us and to, and to become a servant to us. That's what Jesus said. From one man he made all the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth, and he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. God did this so that they would seek him. Here we have an answer 
to why diversity? Why ethnic diversity? Why all the different nations? Why all the different people groups? Why are we different from one another? Why? God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps find him. We learn best about God by being in community, by being in relationship with each other. And the more different we are, the more we learn. Isn't that a great thing? It's the foundation to what we would consider today as multiculturalism. What a great thing. God created it. For in him we live and move and have our being, as some of your own poets have said, we are his offspring. Therefore, since we are God's offspring, by the way, that's a new thought as well. You are an offspring of the gods. Since we are God's offspring, we should not think that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone, an image made by human design and skill. In the past, God overlooked such ignorance, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent, for he has set a day when he will judge the world with justice by the man he has appointed. Here it is. Here's the reason for the resurrection from God's perspective. He has given proof of this to everyone by raising him from the dead. Do not be deceived by what you see on TV or hear. The resurrection is one of the most attested historical facts. Do not be deceived. And as Mark alluded to, if Christ has not been raised from the dead, Paul says, we of all people are most to be pitied for wasting our time. That's looking at it from God's perspective. He provided us proof. He didn't ask you to step out blindly. We believe in reasoned faith. We believe in looking at information, looking at history. We believe in making sense of it. And God provided us proof. He didn't have to do that, did he? He didn't have to do that, but he chose to. Okay, now let's reverse it and look at it from our perspective. And you just heard John 20 read when they lit the candle. And I want you to think about all the people that are involved in all these stories and what happens. Okay, just to set the scene, he's just died on Friday. Friday night, he's taken off the cross, placed in the grave. He's there Friday night, Saturday, and Sunday. When Mary goes to the tomb, it's empty. It's empty. The disciples have all scattered. They've all gone in different directions. Uh, the beloved disciple was at the cross, he says in John 19, and then he's gone. Peter, Peter betrayed him, just like Judas did. He's gone. They're all gone. They're scattered. Their dream is, is shattered. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the beloved disciple and said, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. They think he's still dead. Well, of course. We've all lost loved ones and friends, haven't we? They didn't come back from the grave, did they? Not yet. So Peter and the other disciple started to, for the tomb. They were both running. And the other disciple, the beloved disciple, got there first, but he stopped. Peter runs right into the tomb and looks. He runs right into the tomb to see that there's nobody there. The other disciple stops outside for a moment, and then, finally, the other disciple who had reached the tomb also went inside. He saw and believed. 
up till this point, they don't get it. They don't understand it. So what's Jesus's, uh, well, we haven't gotten to what Jesus did yet. He sees the tomb and he runs in and he believes. That's his act of faith because when he gets there, there's nobody there. Now Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb because it was a, probably a cave and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, woman, why are you crying? She said, they have taken my Lord away and I don't know where they have put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she didn't realize it was Jesus. Gives us a little bit of insight if we could see our loved ones today, we might not recognize them. Not at first anyway. So he asked her, Jesus asked her, woman, why are you crying? Who is it you're looking for? She thought he was a gardener. She said, sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where, tell me where you've put him and I will get him. So what does Jesus say to her? He says, Mary, Mary, it's me. She turned to him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni which means teacher, which means teacher. So she tried to reach out. And Jesus said, do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them. I, I wonder if this is insight into what would happen if we could see our loved ones today that have gone on. Would they say to us, whoa, 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 whoa. Don't pull me back. Isn't that what uh, Samuel said when, the, when Saul had him conjured up from the dead? Why did you bring me back from the dead? I was happy. And Jesus is saying, no, 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 no. No, no, no. I wonder what it would be like. Most of us, all of us actually, have lost a loved one or a friend. All of us have, even if you don't know it. If you're too young, you know you have. And so when we think about that loved one or friends, we're always looking back in history and remembering what they were like and wishing they were here. What would it be like to live with them like they are today to look forward to them? Maybe you've lost a mother. Right now, your mom is the perfect mom. Maybe you've lost a father. Right now, your father's the perfect father. Maybe you've lost, I hope not, but maybe you've lost a child. Right now, your child is perfect. Friends, loved ones, uncles, aunts. I have a grandmother who's about to turn 99, and uh, I recognize she's at the other end of life, and uh, her mind is beginning to fail her, and the days are numbered. I call her every week, try to talk to her two or three times a week sometimes, and um, there'll come a day when she won't be there to talk. But if she was alive three days after she died, I'd spend all my money to go see it. Right? Wouldn't you? It'd be the most amazing thing in the world. I don't expect that to happen. It would be pretty cool if it did. I don't expect that to happen. But that's what happened here. They placed all their hope <clears throat> in this man. And now he's dead. And then he's alive. God's proof. God's proof. So what does Mary do? She runs to the disciples and says, I have seen the Lord. That's the one thing the first century disciples, the early disciples, could not, uh, they couldn't get past. Every story in Acts, they're telling people, 
you can laugh at me all you want. You can beat me. You can put me in prison. You can do whatever you want. But I have seen the Lord. You can't take that away. They all said that. We have seen the Lord. John in 1 John says, we beheld him. We saw him with our eyes. We touched him. We handled him. Peter says, we ate with him. I have seen the risen Lord. You can't take that away. That's the truth. That's why the resurrection is so important to us. So we have the beloved disciple. He looks inside and he sees and then he believes. We have Mary who has the encounter with Jesus. She runs and says, I have seen the Lord. Then he appears to the 12, but Thomas isn't there. So a week later he appears to Thomas. And what did Thomas say? Unless I see the nail marks in his hands and I put my finger where the nails were and I put my hands into his side, I will not believe. So Jesus shows up. He's up for a good challenge. And he says, take a look. Here, take a look. What did Thomas do? My Lord and my God. How would you like to be known as the doubting one for all of history? Poor guy. I think he's just being honest. He died. I haven't seen him. When I see him, I'll believe. And Jesus said, take a look. Here you go right here. And he believed. All of these stories show us the same thing. What was Jesus' first action after the resurrection? He went after all the people that knew him, and he pulled them back in and helped them on that journey of faith. That's what he did. His first act was an act of love, which, by the way, is what the resurrection is all about. God didn't have to provide proof. He chose to. Why? Because he knows the way we think. He loves us. Jesus' act to show him the nail scars, that's an act of love. That's what the resurrection is all about from our perspective. It shows us how much God loves us. No other religion has this story. None. This is unique in the world. You can't make this stuff up. You can't. By the way, Peter, there's no encounter with Peter. If we didn't have the last chapter of John, we would not have known what happened to Peter because he betrayed Jesus just like Judas did. Jesus just did it for money. Peter sold out for pride, but he did. What happens in John 21? Jesus waits a little while, and then he goes after him. He says, Peter, do you love me? He says, yes, Lord, I do. Asks him three times. He repeats it three times to show how important it is. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Peter, do you love me? That's a statement of the Lord's love for Peter. He went after Peter just like a shepherd does a lost sheep. Now they're all accounted for. They're all there. I don't know where you are in the journey of faith. Some of you are way down that road. You've been a believer a long time and your faith just grows stronger and stronger. Some of you are in the middle of the journey, I guess, I bet. And uh, you don't know what you think about things. Some of you are at the beginning of the journey and you're scratching your head and say, who's this Jesus guy? I don't know what I believe about the Christ event. That's okay. It's all good. My advice to you is to stay on the journey. Keep asking. Don't stop. Don't stop. Keep exploring for truth. God says in the Old Testament, if you search for me, I will be found by you. You can be assured if you're searching for truth, you will find it. Just stay on the road. Why is the resurrection important to us? Because God loved us enough to provide proof. And then it shows us, it gives us a model of what it means to love each other and to move out into life. That's why Jesus, he didn't just go to heaven. 
he resurrected and stayed here for a while to corral all these people that were his. That was the beginning of the church. Father, thank you for sending your son. Thank you for well, the incredible journey, Lord, as I've read all the other religions that I get my hands on. There's nothing like it in the world. The story is so unique. Thank you for providing proof to us, for uh, raising your son from the dead so that we can look back and say, my Lord and my God has come as good. We pray these things in the name of Jesus because we do believe in him. Amen.